Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Hello. 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 <laughs> I am just going to say this at the top of the show. I have never been more excited about a piece of news that I'm reporting <laughs> on than I am in this episode. Oh, dear. I can't even predict what it is. I think this is my favorite news headline <laughs> I have ever seen in is my it, entire life. Uh, is it a love to hate or a hate to love? Um, It's a... Uh, uh, I I guess it's a love to hate. <laughs> oh, okay. Then I think I know what it is. <laughs> Do you want to just get us started, or is there any other uh, housekeeping items we should address at the front? Or um, well, we have an episode on the Eternals coming out Thursday. Yes, yes. Um, but otherwise, no. I think we can dive <laughs> right in. Okay. Well, then do tell the class. Um, okay. What has you so excited? <laughs> okay. So. After, I don't know, what seems like 900 years, we are finally getting a filmed version of Wicked, which is in and of itself a mild excitement to me. They announced the casting news that it's going to be Ariana Grande as Glinda and Cynthia Erivo as Elphaba, which... I think it's fine casting. It's <laughs> I don't think it's something you can really get too upset about. I don't know. Did you have opinions on that at all? Oh, on that casting. That's yes. that's just a footnote to your larger yes. story. Oh, yes. okay. Well, yeah, I did have some thoughts. I was frankly surprised to see Ariana's Grande's name because she's not a good actress. Haven't we addressed that? Haven't we seen that in all her clips? Haven't we recognized that? Like, is it is an SNL skit enough to save her reputation from her is she a bad actress? Like, I guess that's my question: Is have we really seen her do anything? Obviously, well, she's she had it right, but she was playing that like weird character, <laughs> ditzy blonde. I mean, a ditzy girl who yeah, but <laughs> she was like very dumb, and it's Disney yeah, Channel, yeah. so it's not like you know you're you're given the full scope <laughs> of someone's acting, and also that was what ten years ago at this point. Okay, so. And since then, she was on, like, one episode of Scream Queens, SNL. Like, I don't... Oh, okay. I see. I see. So you were wowed by the Scream Queens moment. I haven't been wowed by anything, <laughs> but I think, at the very least, she is a good enough singer. Yeah. And I was worried that they were going to do something a little bit more, um, like, go for somebody who is less of a singer and more of, like, an actress of some variety. Okay. Or go for someone old like I thought oh what if we get like Leah Michelle or you know like one of these <laughs> kind of has been I don't Cynthia know Cynthia Erivo who's 34 so I guess she's older than Leah Michelle I'm excited that both of them are very good singers and yeah. I feel like that's, that's the main true. thing that's and- true it'll be directed by John M. Chu who did In the Heights um I yeah, I'm frankly surprised you didn't have more to say about this pairing, but I do recognize that they're great singers. So in that sense, I'm curious to see how it goes. But they also seem like an odd pairing in the the age difference and kind of their vibes. <laughs> I have a bias against Ariana Grande. Her whole I don't know 
black fishing. Now she's married and she's very much, oh, I'm, I'm Italian. No, don't doubt that for a second. Very white and going down seven shades and, and now she's getting casted wicked. It, it's a lot for me, but I'm sure, you know, like you said, it's been almost 20 years since the Broadway show came out. So this has been a long time coming. It's not Beyonce. It's not Kristen Chenoweth, but it's something. So Yeah, I guess they could have cast a lesser known person, you know, but I think probably especially after In the Heights did not do as well as they expected it to. Yeah. That they were like, we have to have some big names here as the leads. (laughs) Yeah. I do think the chemistry between the two of them is strange, but I feel like they have to have done screen tests and stuff. I mean, this has been so long in the works. (laughs) (laughs) they've really been scraping at the barrel. So yeah, I I guess you're right. You know, your optimism is inspiring. It's, it's so rare for you and it's really taken me aback, but I I'll get on board. So thank you. (laughs) Well, that brings me to the most important part of this story with a real optimism comes is that there is a petition going around (laughs) and this petition has been picked up by like, actual news sources like the Hollywood (laughs) Reporter and Vanity Fair that there is a petition with thousands of signatures asking that James Corden under no circumstances be cast in any role in Wicked or associated with this production behind the camera or in front of the camera. And I'm like, thank goodness. Like it is high time that everybody got on my bandwagon that I have been leading since the very beginning of this podcast (laughs) that we do not like James Corden. You're the only one in the, yeah, no, I, it was funny to see that. It, it made me a little sad. I don't know. He's I too mean, much, but there's there's backlash now to James Corden, but yeah. like three years ago, You're I think right. most people liked him fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he was very like carpool karaoke. I think that's part of the reason why people dislike him yes. so much is that he was everywhere because people thought he was funny for about five minutes. Yeah. Um, but you know, he was in the in the heights. He or not in the heights into the woods. He was in the prom he was in cats like i think people are just yes we <laughs> know cinderella. james Corden can sing cinderella like <laughs> we just don't oceans eight he wasn't singing but he was there like we don't need him in a one of in one of these casts because wicked is a big cast you could see them casting him as you know some random person or another and it's like he's no. definitely gonna show up as like the um the wizard. The, no, no, no. Know. The wizard's going to be like Hugh Jackman or someone like splashy and sexy and old. I think he would be cast as the like, what is the like schlubby boyfriend? I, I can't remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little old for Cynthia. Or, or um, I guess it's not. I guess it would be Galinda really is the closest match. But I don't know. I feel like... um. Yeah, it, I I I don't think he's gonna be in it. I feel like John M. Chu doesn't care for him. But do you think Lin Manuel is gonna appear? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I got, I'm uh, I don't know what he would be. I mean, it's tough because there's all of those perennial Broadway people. It's like who could yeah. theoretically show up in any of these roles, um, or they could do the thing where they give it to a celebrity who can't sing. Pierce Brosnan, he's ready. <laughs> Les Mis. I think there's definitely a threat of Meryl Streep showing up in this as 
you know, that old woman who's like, I'm welcome as Alphaba or whatever the, <laughs> here's the, here's the problem with my interactions with the wicked. I actually don't know the story all that well. And I don't know the characters all that well because I only know like the six good songs in wicked yeah. and I never listened to the rest of them. And I've only seen the show once. Yeah. So, but That'll whoever that show, whoever the woman is at the beginning of the wizard and I, that's who I'm expecting Meryl Streep to play. Oh, yeah. Interesting. It does. I mean, you know, um, Broadway's small enough, but then you add in Hollywood stars and the the Venn diagram gets a little smaller. So it does seem likely that you'll get pretty much like similar casting from something like Into the Woods. And you know what's funny is I didn't hate James Corden in Into the Woods. I think he was really remarkably good in that role at that time with that movie. And I think that is the beginning of his like U.S. popularity. I mean, I think he had the show already, but I don't know the timeline. That'd be an interesting episode for us to do is the, the discourse James around Gordon. James Gordon. <laughs> um, because I think it was good. And so I feel bad that he can never be in anything ever again. But he also has been in so much bad that it's sort of like, well, you know, you lost your chance. So, yeah, let me. Did you sign the petition? I mean, I did not. But (laughs) let me look up the filmography. You're a fake leader of the haters then. So he was in Into the Woods in 2014. Um, He's done mostly voice roles since then outside of the various. uh, musical roles that he's had. Yeah. And let's see, when did his show start? Uh, the Late Late Show with James Corden started in 2015. So that would have been oh, after. Oh, wow, yeah. So Into yeah, I do remember like little whispers of like, oh, US finally discovers James Corden. I think we liked, I did not hate him in Into the Woods because I had no idea who he was. Yeah. And he was a fine singer. Um, And also in that movie, there was so many other things to hate that I think he was sort of low on the totem pole list. And he had one of the least flashy roles in the show. Whereas now they use him kind of as stunt casting where he has these more annoying, (laughs) yes, or LGBT representation where he has more annoying parts. Well, speaking of uh, white men who flew too close to the sun and lost all their fans, um, the big news this weekend for me that I was following like the Super Bowl was the Chris Pratt um, Instagram (laughs) debacle. I loved this moment. I think similarly to how you feel about James Corden, probably not to the same degree, because I used to like Chris Pratt. You know, I'm a big Parks and Rec fan. He was funny. Uh, Lego movie. Loved it. Happy for him to get that Marvel bag with Guardians. It was great. But something happened when he divorced Anna Ferris, where it was just his likability just took a nosedive and he just tanked. And he ended up becoming like, I don't know if he found Jesus or if he'd always been a secret like Christian, but he he was involved in the Hillsong Church or whatever, very anti-LGBTQ. He's then become very conservative in his political views and like blah, 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 blah. All of that's like, you know, his choice. Doesn't mean I have to like him though. (laughs) But he's really adopted this brand that's just like so familiar to me of this like sort of, oh, just the worst kind of annoying partner who who it really just showed his colors with this Instagram post where he, he dedicated a post to his wife, Catherine, um, his second wife, Catherine, 
it, it kind of randomly, I don't think it was ever asked for. It, it sort of related to her birthday, which is coming up in a few weeks. But it was basically this post of her looking up at him adoringly. And he's just like, wow, look at how she's looking at me. I mean, find you somebody that looks at you like that, you know? And then he goes on this deep dive <laughs> into the psychology of their relationship. And just line by line, it just got worse and worse where he's citing, you know, just like, oh, she does everything for me. But once in a while, I open a jar of pickles and then like, I'm so lucky her heart belongs to me. And she's almost as good. She's just as good as my favorite (laughs) baseball card. But worst of all, and probably most damning, and why this got a lot of attention from a lot of different videos, is he mentions in the post how she's given him an amazing life and a gorgeous, healthy daughter. Which admittedly is like a fine statement, whatever. Everyone says that. Except his his first child, his son with Anna Ferris, was born premature and has a few disabilities. And so immediately anyone involved in that world was kind of like, oh, that's not something you say, like emphasizing healthy and like gratitude for her health because it immediately makes the other child be like, wow, you can't say that about me. Like, why haven't you said that about me? Like, blah, blah, blah. Very not a good luck. So he was buried pretty heavily for that alone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can, I guess I can sort of see the situation in which like he's writing this post and he's yeah. just using like a very common phrase of like a healthy child or whatever and not really putting it into context. But it's like if he's not putting it into context, then who is because it is his other child you know like it feels like he should be especially aware of that and I think the it didn't help that kind of the the post in general was sort of annoying and the people (laughs) have their pitchforks out for him to begin with he has the vibe that I saw a lot growing up in a very you know conservative Christian background of this understated or like foundational sort of belief that the man is the like more important person in the partnership or the leader in the partnership or the person who's like in charge and that you need to find a woman who is sort of like subservient and really looks up to you. And then within that, there is a, kind of unstated uh, thing where oh anything that the man does for the woman is sort of like a gift to her yeah. like he doesn't really need to do anything she's supposed to do things for him but like yeah. oh if he does nice things for her like that's great um yeah. and so you're a really good guy if you actually like like your wife and do things for <laughs> yeah. her rather so rather than coming into it like okay we're an equal partnership like we should both be doing stuff that's what's expected and so then the guy is uh, there's more things that he is asked of you come into this partnership where it's like oh no the woman is actually supposed to do everything for the man the man just is working and bringing home money and then anything extra is like wow what a great person yeah and so just the whole post had that energy to it which i think in today's age it does not go over super well with 
most, well, I don't know if most, but a large swath of the population. Because I think even people who are more conservative but less religious don't really espouse to that view as much anymore. I think it's mainly people who are in like very conservative religious communities, whether that be Christian or otherwise. Yeah. It's like, I don't think he was... I don't think he was coming at this with ill intent or malice. Like, I think he really does like treasure his wife and what (laughs) she's given him, what he thinks he's given her and like their family and what, blah, 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 blah. Like, I think he thought he was being funny. I think he thought he was being clever. I think he thought he was being, you know, his Andy Dwyer self and like, Oh, isn't it funny to compare your wife to a baseball card? And it's like, no, (laughs) it's not like, it's not. I like, I just imagine if like even just looking at how he phrases the conversation, like how he talks about her in the post, it's not even about her. It's about him. It's about her relationship to him and what he gets from her. And it's like very weird that that's what he then ends with by saying like, Oh, I'm not even going to give her a birthday gift because like, she'll just be so grateful. I did this for her, which is clearly meant to be a joke. But what's absurd about it is that he's not making fun of people who thinks like that. He thinks that in itself is the charming, like, I don't know, like performed incompetence husband vibe and thinks that's like clever enough to be excused when in reality it's like it's not cute to like forget you have a whole other child or to like, I don't know, like to make a joke about how little you give in a relationship when you're trying to honor how much she's given without even admitting what she has done for you. So it's just like it was very weird and he he was clearly like torn apart for it. Everyone was talking about it. TikTok, Twitter. <laughs> There's a lot of content out there making fun of it, analyzing it. It's like the perfect crossroads of my love of pop culture and feminist discourse. So I was just eating it all up. Chris Pratt, unfortunately, saw it all too. <laughs> he had a bad day, as he says. He he went to bed really depressed and grumpy. And, um, and he did this like Instagram post where he shares with his followers how sad he was, not addressing exactly what happened or why, but everyone knew why he went to bed depressed. And then he said, I knew if I, if I put on my Christian music plays and I got out in the woods and I ran that I'd feel better. <laughs> and it's just like such a weird choice of a follow-up to a controversy to then dig in with this weird, I don't know, it just felt very like evangelical like missionary worky type of like just go find god in the woods type thing and you'll (laughs) feel good too it was just like all a bad weekend for chris pratt and it just it's just mesmerizing to watch and what's funny is maria shriver his mother-in-law her first comment on the post was sort of like oh are you gonna post a picture of how you look at her which i thought was a perfect dig a funny A funny remark, and now instead her comments are like, "Keep your head up, kid. Like you're such a good man." And it's like, yes, but you were right to call him out in the first place. So hopefully, some conversations are happening on the inside about why um, people attacked him. But yeah, not a good, not a good weekend to be Chris. I did see a tweet though that was saying like the entire country's divide can be a link to whether or not you thought that the the (laughs) post was cringy or really sweet. And I definitely can see people who I grew up with reading that and being like, Oh, Oh, like, wow. Like it was such a good guy. Like so funny, (laughs) so clever. Like what a great relationship they have. Um, where I'm like, run girl, like get out of there. I'm like, (laughs) you can find better. I want to know if Arnold likes him or not. Cause I feel like Arnold is like, uh, 
I don't like does not have time for that kind of shenanigans. He feel <laughs> he seems very like businessy and not yeah. like I don't know. It's interesting. No. Um yeah. okay, I have this story is this week is like has too many good stories for us to get to. Um because I also wanted to talk about this interview that Will Smith did this week. Did you see this? No. So he's been on a press tour regarding King Richard, the Venus and Serena Williams dad movie that's coming out. And I guess in some interview that he did, he was asked about his relationship with his father, which was very contentious growing up. I think we talked about this Mm -hmm. on the episode um, that we did about Will Smith, but they were sort of asking and Will Smith volunteered the information that he had at several points in his life considered murdering his father out of revenge (laughs) for his mother because his father abused his mom. Okay. Yeah. Which is kind of a, like, I'm not sure I would be going around admitting that on a press tour for a film. Like, I'm not (laughs) sure that's a great look, but I think the part that was more interesting or funny to me was that he said, and that he could easily get away with it because he's quote, one of the best actors in the world. And then he's like, (laughs) can you imagine that 911 call and just like how good (laughs) I would be at pretending that my father had died in some way, but I actually, I had killed him. And I was like, this is very strange to be admitting. And also, I don't think that Will Smith is that good of an actor to be able to pull that off. <laughs> I feel like this would be very quickly sorted out. You know, it's like there's yeah. an obvious motive for why he would want to kill the father. That's right. well documented. I think that the police for as dumb as they are in some situations are fairly smart at figuring out the difference between a murder and a, like just someone dying. Cause there's a lot <laughs> of different things going on. And yeah, I don't think that whatever Will Smith's nine one one call would be that it would take them that long to figure out that, you know, it was a fake. I mean, the Jesse Smollett thing that happened a few years back, like yeah. the police were pretty quickly able to sort through that um and i think that they would do a similar job here <laughs> yeah i mean i guess i'm less upset at this confession than you know matt damon proudly announcing that he'd stop using the f slur a year ago a mm-hmm. year ago so because i can understand what he means and kind of the framework of being a child growing up in a, a dysfunctional yes. house like that um I, I didn't hear the interview. I would love to know how the interviewer react to that. Do I think Will Smith could get away with it? Like, when would he be trying? You know, like today, I guess maybe technically he could, you know, get away with it. But as old school, like early days, Will Smith. Yeah, I don't think he has the acting chop. Like, it's not enough to have acting chops even. Like, I just don't think a 911 phone call would be enough to convince people well, i don't i don't think that's really even evidence you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> yeah. like yes they might think wow he sounds convincing on there but if they show yeah. up at the house and the it's like okay well he couldn't have fallen down the stairs this hard like he must have been pushed then you know it doesn't matter what the 911 call is you know you take him on a hike through hollywood hills a little push oh my gosh where's my dad where's my dad then maybe but they can tell the difference between a push and a slip based on (laughs) where the body is i mean have we never looked at a a true crime (laughs) documentary yeah well the good news is he probably won't try so 
he won't have to put that to the test. Mm. Um, I had a, a sad story I feel like we should address, which is the Astroworld um, oh, yes. tragedy mm-hmm. here um, in Houston, no less. Um, Astroworld is sort of a music festival put on and headlined by Travis Scott, who I know as Kylie Jenner's baby daddy. Um, so there was this concert in Houston over the weekend and eight people ended up dying, dozens more injured in the crowd when there was this crowd crush as Travis Scott came out to play. Um, it was a huge mess. They're still sorting out exactly like what happened, why they weren't able to recover so quickly. Like how come the paramedics and people couldn't get to the people in need? Truly horrifying situation. I can't imagine being in that scenario where you're, you know, a crowd crush is you're just so violently push forward. You're stuck. You're, you can fall to the ground, be trampled. That's one thing, but you can also just be so trapped in a mass of bodies that you just suffocate, um, in the open air. And so, you know, these eight kids ranging from 14 to 27 years old all died. It's super sad. And people are still trying to like find out who to blame. But I think what's been most interesting is the way Travis Scott has sort of addressed it, dealt with it. I think when it first happened and there weren't quite enough numbers on how many people were hurt, he was like, you guys have to look out for each other, like thoughts and prayers type. Today, he came out with a statement where he's, um, you know, refunding ticket prices, which I don't, it's all very weird. Like obviously he's limited in what he can do because of culpability or whatever, admitting fault or whatever legalese his team is probably keeping him from really addressing the situation. But so many people have been flooding like TikTok and Twitter with examples of musicians and pop stars and concert um, leaders stopping shows when they realize something's off in the crowd. And compared to the videos coming out from Astroworld where people were running on the stage screaming like, there's dead people, there's dead people, you have to stop, stop the show. Um, people were talking to security, there were ambulances trying to get in. Like There were videos, loud people screaming, tons of things that were showing that this was not a good vibe. And yet the show went on. It's all not looking great for Travis Scott. And, um, and it is just kind of, it feels like something could have been done to stop it. And it, since it's happened, it seems like the right thing to do, the, the emotionally human thing for a millionaire to do would be to reach out to these families and offer whatever help he can. So it's kind of weird that he's been so, I don't know, separate from it. It was also uh, in the articles that I read said that this isn't the first time that things have happened like this at his concerts mm. where there's an other people who were injured that he at one point was trying to get people to like jump off a balcony at, at a different event. Yeah, that, that just He's like not very responsible with his crowds. I'm, I read a bunch of articles about this and I'm still really confused as to like, how like what even happened because they were talking about like there were fences and then there were things that were sort of like closets somehow that some people got pushed in but uh, and then yeah and then there's the suffocating part and i guess like yeah if you have a bunch of bodies and you're sort of shorter you can get like trapped in there um and yeah most of the people who died were younger so i can see how that would work there was one woman who said that she like kept passing out and then got dragged over a fence which i i just like i need like a map or something because i have a really hard (laughs) time visualizing like what this scenario looks like and how it sort of got 
so out of control so quickly and then wasn't and then they weren't able to figure it out once people knew that it was happening yeah i'm sure there's a lot to do with lack of staffing and just you know the workforce being so depleted right now in general and then it was a huge venue um like it's right it's right down the street from us actually and so we we saw like the concert like all up all the whatever frameworks (laughs) the shell of the show basically and yeah it's a pretty wild labyrinth like i've never liked um like I like concerts, but I find music festivals a lot more stressful because you are kind of trapped in there in general. You, It's harder to get water. You're there all day. Like it's a lot messier and kind of like disorganized to begin with. So I'm sure there's just a lot of mistakes made and it's hard to point a finger at exactly who to blame or, or where the changes need to happen. But um, it is a pretty massive tragedy that that happened while he was on stage like singing yes and ambulances uh-huh. were trying to get through the crowd like it was very clear that there was something bad happening and yet the show continued on there is there is not a single part of me that has ever thought oh i want to go to a music festival. like <laughs> yeah. i'm not that into concerts to begin with but of all of the different types of events that you could go to that has to be like the oh, very yeah. bottom of my <laughs> list you're i mean if they're a nightmare to get to it's a nightmare with parking you're dirty it's expensive you like a lot of times you're out in the sun you don't yeah. have water if it rains or if it's cold or you know and then you have to wait in line for these different tickets like people who are go to Coachella and want to see the headliners you know basically have to like skip a bunch of other like <laughs> yeah. can't see anything else That's because awful. they're waiting to just see yeah it's just miserable and like I would much rather go to a sporting event a Kentucky Derby you know like truly anything <laughs> before a music uh, festival I would love that live reporting from the Kentucky Derby I mean can you think of an event uh, worse to go to than uh I mean, I like music, so there'd be something to Coachella that I'd enjoy rather than the freaking Kentucky Derby. So if push comes to shove, I'd probably still choose a music festival over like NASCAR or, um, yeah, horse racing, dog racing, any of that. So that's well, probably- dog racing, I yeah, I wouldn't want to watch. The thing yeah. with like the thing with the Kentucky Derby is that the all the thing only lasts like five minutes. You know, you just basically <laughs> show up and drink and then watch horses run yeah. around for two seconds. The if I was going, like, I honestly think I'd probably love a NASCAR event. <laughs> you show up and, like, eat corn dogs and stuff for a bit. Like, I don't know what's going on there, but it seems like it's probably a halfway decent time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll get you to one next yeah. year for your birthday. <laughs> Perfect. I'll I don't know if there's you. a lot of NASCAR races around New York. Maybe. <laughs> All expense trip paid. Um, we'll start fundraising on the, <laughs> on the Perfect. podcast. Perfect. Um, but anyways any other news or do you want to get into love it or hate it let's do love it or hate it okay hit me with it uh so over the weekend i saw last night in soho Mm, yes the edgar wright movie with thomas and mckenzie and anya taylor joy that came out in theaters i was excited to see this because i really do like anya taylor joy we've talked about her (laughs) a couple times i think um yeah and I thought that movie looked interesting, like horror adjacent kind of mystery, but with like a 60s sort of element to it. The fashion looked cool. Like I I was intrigued. It was fine. Uh, 
it ended up being less kind of weird and more straightforward than I thought it was going to be. And I don't know. I think that both hurt it and helped it at the same time. Yeah. Because it wasn't one of those movies where you end, where it ends and you're like, what the hell was that? Like, I have no idea. But it also wasn't, um, like, there wasn't that much interesting stuff going on with it either. So you got to the end and you're like, okay. Like, okay, that made sense. Like, whatever. I think also I had assumed it was going to be a two-hander between the main actresses and it was going to be a lot of Anya Taylor-Joy. It turned out that it was mostly Thomas and Mackenzie and Anya Taylor-Joy was just sort of in these dream sequences from time to time. Mm. So she didn't get to do very much aside from, you know, just like kind of look cool and wear cool clothes and wander around there wasn't much acting on her part. And Thomas and Mackenzie, I find very <laughs> whiny. Like, I think it's partially impacted by the fact she was an old this summer and was playing a child, you know, as like an adult. But she just has this vibe where she's like, oh, like, what's happening to me? <laughs> and she was doing that again in this movie. She did that in Leave No Trace. She did that in Old. She sort of does it kind of in Jojo Rabbit. I'm just like, I... I understand that she's a good actress, but I'm like, can she do anything but this sort of like whiny, like dopey sort of woe be gone character? Like I need <laughs> her to play something that has a little bit more oomph to it. Yeah. I'm so, sorry. That's rough. Me and my friends went and saw it and we decided at the end that it would be a perfect movie to watch on an airplane, which I think is true. So mm, okay. you're looking for an airplane film that's like oh interesting and fun and not like too hard to follow I think this is good <laughs> okay I'll keep that in mind for my next trip um I have a love it I have I've started watching dope sick on Hulu which is a Hulu original miniseries starring Michael Keaton and Caitlin De- Deaver and Will Poulter um and it's about the true story of the creation marketing and mess that came from Oxycontin Oh boy. I swear Caitlin Deaver is in every single thing. She is. She's working and hard. And like none of them are marketed really. You know, it's like yeah. she's show you're like, she's another show. Like she's famous. Yeah. We should know this. And it's like, oh no, she's just in another thing. I know. I feel like the problem there's just like so much happening all the time now on streaming that it's hard to like suss out what's actually good and what's not making any noise. Um but Dope Sick is really good. I it's gonna be an eight episode miniseries six episodes are out currently i think we've caught up to like episode five or something but it's really sad really interesting um it's based on a on a like uh book what am i thinking (laughs) like autobiography but it's not that the word is book yes (laughs) a nonfiction sort of uh expose i guess on on Purdue Pharma and oh my gosh, it's the messiness of FDA. Oh, there's a tangled web of deception and corruption and also just the sadness of how this drug was marketed and then abused and a a, a huge mess. So really good performances, really sad to watch, but I think it was really good and it's definitely uh, very engaging. And I feel like, I mean, we also watched Dr. Death, which was not as good, (laughs) but it's like a similar vibe to this, um, you know, it takes place over 
like a decade, I guess, as people start to realize what Purdue Pharma did and and the the court cases against them and all this stuff. So it's very interesting. And I think people should watch it. I'll be curious to see if it gets um, nominated for anything. I think it could because everyone's doing a great job. It's a really provocative story. Um, everyone loves talking about big pharma, so <laughs> that's that going for it. I know I do. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. But all in all, I find it very entertaining in a really yeah, sad way. I haven't really heard very much about it, but I that does sound good. And I love Caitlin Deaver. The cast seems good. So yeah, yeah that might be something I have to catch up with after I, after, okay. I, after I catch up with the only murderers in the building or whatever yeah. and the impeachment show I'm also an episode behind on succession <laughs> busy Gotta, busy busy I know well Lisa morning show's ending soon so then oh, I'll have yeah, that off my heavens. plate Ugh, can't get rid of it fast enough um but you did make time to watch another Marvel movie so I'm happy for that yes. happy we get to talk about oh Eternals gosh. this week These Marvel um, movies they just keep coming yeah, one more this year, I guess. Though I don't. There's we'll another one. The Spider Man comes out oh. at Christmas. I don't think I ever saw the first one of that. Michael Did Keaton's I? in that. So Michael you didn't Keaton see Spider Man? I didn't. See, I saw the one with Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't oh, okay, think I saw yeah. the other one. Well, yeah, Michael Keaton's in it. He's the villain. Oh, but okay. It's a good one. But anyways, we probably won't be covering that. But we are covering Eternals, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. So that'll be happening Thursday. Literally can't wait. <laughs> okay. See you again. Bye.